You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gifts you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello, friends. Welcome to Yoga Magic. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. I'm so glad you're here. If you're new to Yoga Magic, welcome. We talk about self-care. We talk about self-study. We talk about yoga, spirituality. Today, we're actually, we're talking about all those things because, you know, got to get it in. Normally, I, I sort of like script these intros and, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling intuitive today. I'm going to go ahead and wing it. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about stepping outside of my comfort zone lately. I don't know. It just seems like it's I've been hearing this from other people that like they're getting really, really comfortable at home. You know, it's like we've set up these systems now over the course of the last year to be really okay with being at home. And that's that's sort of scaring me. I feel like I need to get out of the routine a little bit, a little bit out of the the comfort zone. And like, I definitely see the difference between discomfort or like being uncomfortable and being unsafe. Like I don't want to be, you know, unsafe. Gotta, gotta protect ourselves. COVID is still a thing, but I don't know. I'm trying, I'm I'm playing with this, like getting uncomfortable. An example of this is like my husband the other day was like, we're going to go get ice skates for our two and our four year olds. (laughs) I was like, yes, let's do it. So we got these like teeny little ice skates for them. And we've been skating at this like local rink every day since. And it's been so fun. And like, yes, it takes a ton of work to bring a two and a four-year-old to an ice skating rink. And we last about 15 minutes each time. But they're learning to skate and we're with them. And it's totally out of the normal routine that we'd been doing. It just feels really good. So... Yeah, I don't know. We'll see how this kind of continues. I'm feeling the itch to to explore and maybe travel. I don't know what that looks like. I'm, I'm honestly a little bit afraid of, of flying still, but keeping an open mind. What are you guys thinking? Are we, are we getting comfortable in COVID world and wanting to try new things? I'd be curious to know how this relates to your well-being, to your self-care. All right, enough about my like random thoughts. I'm really excited about today's guest. We cover a lot of topics and Emily Shickley, our guest, is really, really knowledgeable in a variety of different modalities for self-care and she combines them in unique ways. And I was drawn to her because of this idea of bite-sized self-care. And I I really, we see eye to eye on that. I see self-care as something that does not have to be elaborate, right? It's something that in the moment feels good and it fills up your cup. And she also talks about work-life balance, which honestly doesn't really exist. And I appreciate that, especially now where it's like work sort of bleeds into your home life and your home life. You got your kids in the background of your Zoom calls. Like this is the world. It's all integrated now. So 
Emily kind of debunks this idea and talks about how we can work them all together and how we can utilize just like these little moments of self-care so that we don't get burned out with all of it at once. So Emily is a self-care coach, a certified yoga and meditation teacher. She's a Reiki master, and she really empowers working women to reclaim their time, their energy, and their personal power through what she calls bite-sized self-care. She's really good at this time element. That's something that um, I appreciate is you know time blocking and looking at, at time in a way that isn't so conditioned, right? There's a lot of shoulds. There's a lot of shoulds these days. And she uses some shadow work to uncover where those shoulds are so that you can free up your time. So I'm super grateful to Emily for being on the show. Her brand is called Mind Body Dharma, and you can learn more about her in the show notes if you want to work with her or just absorb some of her content. She's really amazing. And before you go, if you like this episode, if you like the show and you haven't yet gave it a little rating on Apple Podcasts, I implore you to do that. I'm doing a little giveaway in the next week for any new reviews that come in. So if you go ahead and hit the five stars, write a little comment, a review in Apple Podcasts, make sure you screenshot it and tag or send it to me on Instagram at Yoga Magic Podcast, and you'll be entered in a drawing for... My favorite tea, Simpson and Vale tea, a nice little care package of tea, as well as a self-care RX guide created by me. So I create these um, customized self-care plans based on your astrological chart. And they're really fun because we dive into your sun, your moon, your Mars, and come up with meaningful ways to implement self-care into your life. So again, all you need to do is write a, a review, Go ahead and take a screenshot, send it to me on Instagram at Yoga Magic Podcast, and I'll be announcing the winner on February 18th. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you to our sponsor, Simpson and Vale, and thank you to Emily for being on the show. Let's get to our conversation. Emily is sitting down with us today to talk bite-sized self-care, work-life balance, all the things. Thanks for being on the show, Emily. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here, Ashley. Thanks for having me. Yes. So I, I kind of didn't prep you for this, but I'm really curious to know if you feel like, like right off the bat is work-life balance. Is that a thing? Is that a realistic thing for us to like actually strive for? (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because I I get this question in different ways uh, very often. And I, I like to say that work-life balance itself is a myth. If you think of the actual words, work-life balance, it implies that we have two lives. When in reality, we just have one life. Mm -hmm. And while maybe 20 years ago, it, it was a real concept, it was a real reality for people where they would go into work, they go into the office, and then at the end of the day, they would leave and go home and that would start their whole other life, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And especially now where pretty much everything is online and we're in this uh, crazy episode of the world right now with the pandemic, that there really is no differentiation, no separation from our work and our life. Totally. And, and there probably wasn't even in the first place because we bring 
our full self to work. And sure, we might don a certain mask, we might speak differently to our coworkers and our boss, or, you know, whatever your working situation is, than we do at home. And that's natural. But that doesn't mean you're a different person. That doesn't mean it's a different life for you. So when we look at this concept of work-life balance, it's setting you up for failure. Mm-hmm. That's why we constantly feel like we're not achieving it. That's why we're having this conversation, mm-hmm. right? That's why there's yeah. so many conversations about it. So I think the more that we let go of these narratives, these supposed tos, these shoulds around something that we're striving for and instead figure out, okay, what actually resonates with me? What does just balance overall holistic life balance feel like? What does my best self feel like? Mm-hmm. Then I think when we start from that point, that's when we can actually create alignment rather than feel like we're striving for this, you know, ideal that that doesn't really exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe we rearrange the words a little and it, or we take a couple out. It's just a balanced life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's back up a little bit. Um, can you tell listeners about you and your business and all of the cool areas that you're working in? I've, I've been able to deep dive into some of your offerings and it's just really, I'm really excited because it's so accessible and real. Yeah. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm Emily Shickley and I, you know, I, I, I like to start kind of with my story. Oftentimes we jump into the happily ever after and people are like, well, you always had it together. Of course. Mm, you. Totally. I agree. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, you know, seven years ago, I hit what I call my rock bottom. And this was when <laughs> I was transitioning from the education space into the tech industry. And I was thinking about work-life balance um, and definitely not achieving it. And I was setting myself up for failure because I was working so hard. I wanted to prove myself in a new industry. So a little imposter syndrome there. And as a result, I was working 14, 16 hour days, mm-hmm. really stressed out and things started to show up in my body. I started to have daily migraines, chronic stress, pain, gut issues, you name it, anxiety, depression, all of these things sort of came together in this one moment. And I realized I couldn't keep going. I couldn't keep doing what I was doing because it just wasn't working for me anymore. And it was in that moment that I made a choice. I made a choice to change my path, change the way that I was approaching self-care in listening to all of these successful morning routines of of various people who have it all together (laughs) and trying to do it. And instead, what I was talking about earlier, start with myself and figure out, okay, well, what's not working here? What's actually not aligned and how can I start to let go of some of those things? And that threw me into a really long journey of trial and error research, working with Western doctors, Eastern doctors. And eventually I had all of these tools, but there was no one person and there was no one coach. There was no one process that brought it all together, that integrated it. 
Instead, it was, you know, the Western world says do this. The Eastern world says do this. The corporate world says do this. Mm-hmm. The spiritual world says do this. And I realized that there was this need, not only for myself to integrate and again, address that one life rather than this concept of having multiple lives and figure out what would really work for me to find true balance and true alignment in my life. And that's when I realized I had to create this business. I had to create mind body Dharma, but you know, even before I got there, there were lots of little stepping stones along the way. And I think that, you know, sharing this story, the the point of it is that if you're in that stuck place, if you're listening right now and you're like, well, crap, you know, I'm in that struggle between feeling like what I should do and doing what I'm actually doing and feeling like I'm failing, you're not alone. And so the, the way that I help people is through my coaching programs and really helping people marry together this kind of more spiritual Eastern philosophy and practice from my experience in yoga and meditation and Reiki with this very grounded left brain logical side of myself from the corporate world. So that way you not only have all of these different tools, but you're really shifting your relationship with time and energy. Mm -hmm. So that way you have this holistic plan to really figure out, well, what, what does that look like for me? And, and what is, what is true self-care as opposed to all of these other systems and narratives that, you know, other people tell me I should be doing. Mm-hmm. So then as a coach, how do you coach people? How do you avoid the shoulds? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the process I take my coaching clients through really focuses in on their relationships, time, energy, and personal power. So the first step in this process is kind of like a life audit, really getting clear on what are your beliefs around the shoulds? What are the shoulds that are coming up for you? There are universal ones, of course, but we all have our personal shoulds. And these are beliefs that we picked up from childhood. So classic Western psychology, we learn our kind of ultimatums, our our mantras of how we should move through the world from the ages of zero to seven. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and that's through watching our parents, through watching our school peers, through teachers, all of these different people in our lives. And because we're little people, we don't understand the gray areas. We just see, oh, my dad didn't come home from work early to tuck me in. That must mean he doesn't love me. When in reality, there are lots of other explanations. So when I work with my coaching clients, we do this deep discovery work to figure out, okay, well, you know, what what are those beliefs that make you the way that you are and the decisions that you're making in regards to your time and your energy? Because when we have a handle on both, that's when we're truly able to prioritize those personal goals like self-care and actually move towards what we want to have in our life. Mm -hmm. 
So would this be an example? So like a should that Mm -hmm. you hear from your clients, I I should be spending my time making sure I'm busy cleaning the house, you know, keeping everything in tip top shape. I'm speaking like as a mother, as a working entrepreneur, is that like, is that a good should? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> good. If, if it can be good, yeah. Okay, and and it's so funny that you talk about this like zero to seven stage because mm-hmm. in in the manifestation and like the shadow work that I do, that's really that's very clear that that these conditionings and these subconscious beliefs are hammered in between the ages of zero and seven. And as a parent, I'm like, oh my god, what am I, what am I fucking up in my child? <laughs> zero to seven. But at the end of the day this, it was going to happen anyways, right? Like this is part of the plan, but what you're saying and and what can really get us out of that loop is, Mm -hmm. is to identify and, and find a more harmonious relationship with those conditions. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, we do some of that work, what does it, you know, I'm trying to think of the best way to ask this. What is a result of identifying some of that conditioning, some of that shoulding on herself? Like how do you, what's the next step? Have you been working with a client? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the first step is, is you're exactly right. Is that identification. And then when we have identified it, we're able to create separation because until we have pointed at that should and said, oh, that's my inner critic. That's not actually true. There are other ways of being. Then we can start to tackle that. Mm. And a lot of the, the work that I do with my coaching clients combines these, you know, East and West strategies that I'm sort of talking about loosely. So an example would be through breath work, mm-hmm. really using your body to help release these energies. Cause oftentimes we think about, we, we think about limiting beliefs as just thoughts that have been repeated over and over and over. Right. So we tend to think, oh, well, they're up in my head. So I need to talk them out, but they also get stuck in your body because your body has long-term memory. Even, you know, if you believe in past lives, like all the way through your whole soul cycle, your life cycle. And so Unless you do both the mind work, the mental work, and the body work, you'll get stuck along the way, meaning you'll keep repeating the patterns that are keeping you stressed. They're keeping you in this struggle to feel balanced when that's not actually balanced for you. So Mm -hmm. with your should example, you know, feeling like you have to do all the things and, and, and you're worried about the impact on your kids, the, the key is to point at that mm-hmm. and say, no, that's not actually true. And here's why look for evidence to disprove it so that your rational mind can get behind it and then do the deeper physical work through things like yoga, breath work, movement of any kind, meditation, all of these other yummy practices, energy work that can help you get it out of your unconscious mind. Mm-hmm. So if we talk about, you know, traditional psychology, Jungian psychology, we have a conscious mind, a pre-conscious mind and an unconscious mind, three layers of the mind. 
our conscious mind is what we're thinking all, all the time, going about our day, thinking about the to-do list, thinking about the shoulds. Our pre-conscious mind, that's where we make habits happen. Mm. So that's where you might wake up in the morning and you immediately start making your coffee, but you're not really thinking about it. It's just part of what you do. You're still aware that you're making the coffee. Like this feels like a conscious choice, but it's following a pattern that you've already set. Mm -hmm. Your unconscious mind, you can't really access consciously. It's mostly tied to your body. That's the, the closest thing you can access when it comes to your unconscious mind. And this is where the deeper work lies. This is where those deep, hurtful memories that you might have experienced from those early years, as well as other points in your life exist. They're still there, even if you're not thinking about them actively. And so in order to access them, that's where we need to do that body focused work. Mm -hmm. And when you do that body focused work, you open up the ability for your conscious mind to become aware of what's happening unconsciously. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one example, because I know this is like very kind of up in the clouds type of stuff, but one example is if you think about driving. So you're driving your car and when you first learn to drive, if you drive, you can use biking if you're not a, not a driver, mm -hmm. for example, but when you first learn to drive, it took a lot of effort right? You were like, oh God, like, how do I back up? I'm <laughs> like, where'd that tree come from? Right? Lots of thinking going on. But then as it became a habit going into your pre-conscious mind, now it is something that you can do while thinking about something else. Hmm. So when was the last time like you got in your car and you were driving somewhere and you ended up somewhere else because you went on quote autopilot, right? Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Which is like really scary if you think about it. It's scary. You're like, how did I not die in this? Yeah, in this moment, right? Yeah. But the thing is, is that's because your unconscious mind is driving the car. Hmm. You're not consciously driving the car, and therefore you're thinking about all these other things. You get into that flow state. You start thinking about your to-do list or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So that's a very real tangible example of like your unconscious mind out and about in the world. And if you think about it <laughs> to extend this metaphor, um, this is where my English, uh, English academia background comes into play. Sorry, everybody. Um, <laughs> if, if you think about it, you are driving the car metaphorically of your life. So if you have this should ingrained in your unconscious mind, of like, I won't be a good mother if that narrative is driving your car. That's the narrative that's making decisions for you mm. on a day-to-day -day basis. And if you're trying to build a business, imagine how that's impacting the way that you're showing up for people. Mm -hmm. Imagine how that's impacting your ability to, you know, be there for your kid and not worry about you know, messing them up with these, with these thought patterns. So the key here is to bring that awareness to it. And, mm -hmm. and that's really that first pivotal step. And I definitely wasn't able to do this alone. Like this is something that's really hard. And so that is something that I personally have benefited from working with professionals to do. And that's a large part of what I help my clients work through as well.
is mm-hmm. like essentially be that mirror that helps them identify those thought patterns, understand that they're they're not true. They may be real, but they're not true. friends, self-care and warm tea. They go together so nicely, right? I have the best tea brand for you, Simpson and Vale Tea. I'm so grateful to have them as a sponsor of the show. If you haven't heard of Simpson and Vale, they're a small business, family-owned company, and one of the oldest tea companies in the U.S. They have these yoga blends for each of the chakras that are totally caffeine-free, and they're so good. I'm really loving the third eye chakra blend because, you know, I mean, we can all open our third eye a little bit more these days, right? It has rose hips, goji berries, organic oat straw, rosemary, and lavender flowers. I even have my husband loving this one too. If you want to get your yummy teas or maybe, you know, a teacup or a teapot, you can use code YOGAMAGIC for 15% off of your first order. And this can be used on any of their 380 blends or accessories. Head on over to svt.com and use code YOGAMAGIC. Again, that's svtea.com and use code yoga magic for 15% off. I'm envisioning a future where like in college, maybe you do this work, like you decondition in college. Wouldn't that be insane? Like, Hey, you guys want to get, you know, reach your dreams. Not even in college. College probably won't exist by the time my kids are like <laughs> adults, but like you go to a, you go to a deconditioning school. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Or people just work with someone like you. Like, I don't know. Okay. Ash is out there out to lunch, but I just, I think this is stuff like, why do we not learn this? Why do we not learn this? It's, it's, it's a bummer that we live in these, um, you know, loops. And you had said, you know, earlier, you you want to help people not feel so alone when they can't find mm-hmm. their path. And when in fact, most of us cannot really find our path. I think it's way more rare to find someone who's like, this is what I was going to do. And I've known it since I was 12. Like, who? Mm-hmm. whoa, that's amazing. And show me how. <laughs> yeah. And, and the funny thing is, um, well, this is like where the Dharma comes in, right? So like mind, body, Dharma. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cool. <laughs> like love my name, but it, this is where the, the life purpose aspect comes into play in the sense that we can't achieve true alignment. We can't feel like our best selves if our mind's not in gear, our body's not in gear, and we don't have a true purpose. But like you said, it's really hard to find that sometimes. And it's funny because I actually was one of those kids. I was one of those kids from second grade on through college that was like, I'm going to be a creative writer. I'm going to make magic with my words, you know, like I'm going to write young adult fiction for all of the tweens or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny because I think even for people who have that conviction, it's not always the only purpose. Like, I think a lot of times we think like, oh, I only have this one purpose and I have to find it. And a lot of, a lot of the Indian tradition talks a lot about this, that there's this one true dharma, one true life purpose. I don't necessarily disagree with that. They certainly know more than than I do, having centuries and centuries of, of wisdom passed down. However, I think especially in this modern era that we find ourselves living in, 
there are a lot of things going on. We are multifaceted people and that's okay. Like it's okay to, you know, be in a job just as a job. And maybe your true passion is your embroidery that you're selling on Etsy or whatever it is, or maybe you're just making it for friends. Like, I think, I think we do fixate a lot, especially as Americans um, in, in this narrative that we have to find perfection, that we have to mm. find that one thing that we're masters at. There's just but, a lot of pressure. Oh yeah, my it's gosh. a lot of pressure. It's so, mm-hmm. there's so much pressure. And, and I get it because I think that there is like coming back to this concept of the dreams that we are told and the dreams that we tell ourselves, there's this dream that it's like, when you find your true purpose, then you will be fulfilled. You will never work a day in your life. You will, you know, have money easily flow into you and all of these different narratives. And that's not to say they can't be true, but I think again, the, the problem or like the, the trap lies in fixating on that story to solve everything. Mm. When really doing this deeper work that we're talking about, like really shifting your energy on a cellular level, if you think about it, our cells are made up of atoms, atoms are made up of energy. We are just energy. If we shift that, then all of the choices we make, whether they're purpose-driven or not, are going to be more effective and going to lead us to a more fulfilled life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about stress and self-care as it relates to these pretty big topics because they do intertwine in a lot of ways. And, and you know, 2020 has been just a, like a weird amount of stress, just different stressors, like trying to work with your children in the background. Like, what is that? <laughs> you know, And how does it impact, you know, this idea of unpacking conditioning, of moving into integration of the mind, the body, the dharma? Like, what do you see as how does stress relate? Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely intertwined. If we think about stress, let's put on our Western uh, psychology approach or our neuroscience approach here. So if we think about stress, it is a physiological reaction, mind-body reaction to the events and people around you. Now, way back in the day when we were all sitting around campfires and we were interacting in tribal culture and there were very real predators out in the wild, like lions, for example, this is what stress was made to do. This is why stress exists. Because when a lion rustles through the bushes, for example, your heart rate starts to elevate, you hear the sounds, you identify that it's related to danger, and your system goes into overdrive, goes into a stress state. You get pumped full of cortisol and adrenaline, all these great hormones that kick you into action so that you can run away. But then here's the key difference. When we are in that state, our stress diminishes and we go back to a relaxed state. We go back to the campfire. We, we can be human again, right? We have conversations, we can reproduce, we can digest. However, in 2020 in particular, and also just in modern life, we aren't suffering from acute stress. We're suffering from chronic stress. 
And that's when instead of coming back down to that relaxation state, we're stuck up in these peaks and valleys, our heart rate's still elevated, we might have a little bit of a break, but then the next thing comes and we go back into that stress response before we've truly recovered. And that's what's happening physiology, uh, physiologically. Energetically, stress is a little bit different. It is a fear response. So, you know, we might respond to stress in a couple of different ways. There are three different stress responses. But if you go into a fear response, all of the decisions you make are going to be from that place. Mm. And when we look at 2020 in particular, now stress isn't just this individual experience. Sure, there have been many tragedies throughout the world that have united us at different moments in time, but more than ever, this is a global stress state. And so if you think about it, not only are we individually stressed out, but we're also heightening the stress in everyone else around us because we're all connected. We are tribal people. Are we, we have evolved to work in community. And so you easily pick up on the stress of other people. You may have felt this in your life. Like if someone comes home and they're super stressed out, you're going to feel that. And so energetically, the entire population is now stressed out. And not only that, but we don't have our usual coping mechanisms available to us. We can't put our hand on someone's shoulder. We can't you know, be with our loved ones to relax and calm down. Maybe that's working out for you at a gym, right? Those, those aren't necessarily available all over anymore. So I think at the same time as 20, as stress isn't really changing, 2020 is unique because of these two different things where it's, it's not just individual stress, it's collective. And we are even more trapped because those usual things that we do to relax aren't really there. So we have to find something else. We have to make a bigger change in order to actually move out of that stress state. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've thought about the collective stress. I think maybe just like in passing, but the way you put it is like very real. I mean, yes, we are individually stressed and collectively stressed. So how, what do you tell your clients? What do you tell the people you work with? What do you do to manage that stress? You know, you talk about bite-sized self-care, which I'm just like, "Mm, yes, please. That's so perfect. What does that look like? So coming back around to the shoulds, a lot of the shoulds are around the fact that we have to wake up in the morning, meditate for 20 minutes, work out for an hour. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm like, oh my God, please, please not 20 minutes. <laughs> right, right, exactly. no. Yeah. And then get to inbox zero and all of these, right? Yeah. So yeah. If you add it up, like if, if you put a, a timestamp on all of those activities and you added it up, that basically is telling you that you have to spend three hours at least just maintaining yourself. in in order to not be stressed. That's pretty stressful just to think about, right? It's actually (laughs) overwhelming than motivating. So I came up with this concept of bite-sized self-care for that busy person. So I work predominantly with busy professionals uh, in corporate as well as entrepreneurs who don't have the time to spend those three and a half hours or whatever it is to feel better. And it's rooted in this... Western time management technique, 
where it's called the Pomodoro technique, where you can spend just 25 minutes of focused activity and then a five minute reward. And there are a lot of studies that show that this is an effective way to manage time and increase productivity. So I thought, huh, <laughs> I bet that could work for self-care as well. And so using this technique, I've helped my clients build a self-care routine that actually works for them. So it's taking this and thinking of it as a building block and giving you the permission. This is a huge part of this process. Give you permission to just spend 25 minutes. And when we do that, we're more likely to stick with our routine than be like, well, pff, I don't have three and a half hours today. And then everything goes downhill. Mm -hmm. I love this. I love the world that exists, that you have a business that teaches people how to self-care via <laughs> these, like, you know, all of these different worlds. I have a similar business in that I, and I use astrology. Like what is, what is life? Like that. such different ideas. But at the yeah. end of the day, they kind of come down to the same thing is that there, there's some accountability to it, right. To self-care mm -hmm. that like, here, I'm giving you these tools and I know that you can do it now. Just do it. It doesn't have to be yeah. complicated. Yeah. What are some specifics? Like what, what do you do for bite-sized mm -hmm. self-care? Yeah. Well, I, my whole principle is built on this idea that it doesn't have to be the set formula. So I'm all about frameworks versus formulas. You have a framework kind of like a choose your own adventure novel where, you know, you have a beginning, you have a middle and you have an end, but you get to make choices along the way rather than a formula, which is like the cookie cutter protocol in that here's what you do in the morning. Here's what you do in the afternoon. Here's what you do in the evening. Rather, what I do is figure out what I actually need first. So I use a lot of intuitive tools as part of my self-care practice in order to get at what I truly need. And that, and that can be challenging because there's so many messages coming at us. There's so many to-dos coming at us that there's too much noise to figure out what do I actually need? So I do a practice using muscle testing to and meditation and connecting to figure out, well, what do I actually need that day? And then I do that. So it can be anything from just a walk around the block to journaling. I love using journaling. I think it's so helpful, especially for shifting limiting beliefs to practicing yoga. I mean, I am a yoga teacher, so I'll do some yoga. I am also absolutely obsessed with intuitive card reading. So I love using these different cards. I have so many decks um, and they are really helpful as an intuitive tool for me to figure out what is going to resonate that day. What's going to, again, coming back to our conversation, what's going to shift my energy from stress to relaxation? And that's really the goal. And, and it's amazing too, you know, I will share that this approach sounds so simple and that's the beauty of it. It's simplicity married with this kind of deeper, more intense shadow work, this more transformative process. And together, my clients have had some really amazing results. I, I like to share metrics because these things are so 
up in the air that it can be hard to really pinpoint them. So one of the metrics, I have my clients take a before and after survey so they can really look and see their progress. And on average, they've all managed to shift their ability and their confidence in managing their time by 104.5%. Mm. And their energy behind 123%. So this really shows that when you commit and you figure out a practice that actually works for you, that's when you stick with it. That's when you can, you can actually make those, those big shifts. Mm-hmm. I, I don't practice muscle testing, but I've done, I've done a lot of healing work in it and our pad healers helped me by using that as a tool. Did you study that or how did you learn how to do that? Yeah. Yeah. So one of my pastimes is to research. Mm -hmm. So I I used to be in academia, going down the PhD path. And that's around when I I pivoted into a different industry. And so as a result, I love to do research, I love to dive into all of these different modalities and synthesize them. So I did my own research with that. And also it was part of my Reiki master training as Mm. well. Yeah. So really kind of bringing those two together. And and the interesting thing about muscle testing is it's, it's not an Eastern practice. It's actually rooted in, uh, in chiropractic. Right. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's very interesting because it has this scientific background at the same time as it's hard to explain without bringing in energetics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an area that I'm just so intrigued in and, and it, it's almost, I don't know if this is true, but there, it is an essentially an intuitive gift. Like some people are just, they just have that ability to really, they can learn it. And some, and some people just know how, I mean, um, my dad is a chiropractor, so this is just a world that I've always lived in and, and later into his career, he got not necessarily, it wasn't called uh, muscle testing. It was a different type, but it, it was, it was this kind of like different intuition led practice. And it was amazing for him. It like really worked and he still does it and he's not practicing now, but he's really teaching me a lot about it. And he's like, Ashley, you could do it in a heartbeat. You're so you know intuitive and into this world. You could totally do it. So, Ooh, I'm like, yeah. you're inspiring me right now. <laughs> good. Good. This is consider this your challenge, <laughs> right? Like I need a challenge usually. <laughs> oh my gosh. Emily, I feel like I've learned so much today. I knew that we, don't you think people are brought together for like reasons, whether it be on Facebook groups or whatever. <laughs> like we met. <laughs> totally. totally. Oh, yes. Okay. Will you tell listeners about your practice and about your coaching and mm-hmm. how they can find you on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'll share the link with you, Ashley. I have a gift for everybody who's listening if you're interested. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So I have my to do list cheat sheet coming back to our conversation around overwhelm and stress. This is my go to resource that's really going to help you take a bite out of that stress, break it down so that you can get everything that's bouncing around in your head, all of those shoulds out on paper and work through this three-step process so that you can start to find a little bit more calm and find that breakthrough, get really close to that breakthrough. So if you're interested in that, I'll share the link in the show notes. You can sign up for it. And I share a bunch of other resources uh, when you do sign up as well, like video workshop and, and things like that. So highly recommend checking it out. 
and if you know you've you've heard this conversation and you feel called like this is your this is your sign this is your opportunity to reach out i would also love to hop on a call if if that's something that you're feeling called to do and you're ready for this change you're ready to dive into the shadow work you're ready to shift your relationship to time and energy so feel free to reach out and and hop on my calendar as well. I'm offering a free balanced life blueprint call to really help you get that clarity through a series of questions and know what is the next step for you so that you can get out of this stuck state and really shift your energy so that you can feel more aligned and balanced. Mm -hmm. So definitely check those two out. And then I'm also, of course, on all of the usual social channels as well. Uh, at Mind Body Dharma. Awesome. Thank you, Emily. This was super fun. I learned a lot. And listeners, definitely check out her amazing work. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's been so lovely to chat with you all. And I, I hope that if anything from this conversation and spending this, what, 40 minutes together, that you take away the one thing that you can shift out of a stress state. This isn't mm. a permanent Thing. Oftentimes when we're, we're feeling really stressed out, we're feeling overwhelmed, we feel like there's no way out. We get this tunnel vision. But if I can do it, you can absolutely do it. And the tools and practices that can get you to this point really are something that can work for you, no matter your circumstances. So give yourself this opportunity to ditch those stories, say a big no thank you <laughs> to them, and give yourself permission to, to take that first step, whatever that first step might be for you. Mm-hmm. We can do it. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for the rhyme. I needed this reminder today. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Thanks to Emily, as well as our sponsor, Simpson and Vale. Remember that if you leave a rating and a review, go ahead and screenshot that and send it to me at Yoga Magic Podcast to be entered in a giveaway for a cosmic self-care RX guide created by me, as well as a lovely tea care package. Thanks again, everyone. We'll see you next week.